and it starts from caring enough to know somebody's name. I think we got a lot of people trying to do justice that don't know the names of the people they're trying to uh, either advocate for or advocate against. And I think that's one thing that we can bring. If faith is a big deal for you and you're listening, uh, do this because this is what Jesus talks about. If faith isn't a big deal for you, if you're none of the above, do the same thing. Just take a genuine interest in people. Uh, For no other reason, there's nothing on the other side of the equal sign. No agenda because when love has an agenda it ain't love anymore it's just another program and we don't need more programs you're listening to justice matters with tim buxton a podcast inspiring the fight for a world where everyone belongs hey there guys welcome to the justice matters podcast Look, I just got off the call with today's guest, and I'm super excited. It is Bob Goff. He's a New York Times best-selling author of Love Does, Everybody Always, and now Dream Big. And we had a bit of a party because uh, he found out that his book had just become number three on the New York Times bestsellers list. We got out the party poppers. We got some red balloons here, and uh, we celebrated. Um, but, guys, this guy is, is truly incredible. Uh, he's also the Ugandan consul to the United States. How's that for an achievement? That's because he was a, a, a he's a retired lawyer. Yeah, in fact, he gave up his firm. He handed over to a young guy and said, here's the keys, walked away and said, you don't owe me anything. Why? Because he wanted to start a, a nonprofit called Love Does. And that's kind of how we met. He was traveling around and wanted to visit us in Iraq. I was living in Iraq with my family, helping refugees and he wanted to come along and check out what we were doing. In, in fact, they came along and supported us as we were helping to educate children that had fled from ISIS. And he's gone on to build schools in other war-torn countries around the world, including Afghanistan, in Nepal, Somalia. I mean, these are crazy places, guys. And he really has been on the forefront of using his life to make a, a profound difference and impact in the lives of those less fortunate, especially in some of the most dangerous and and, and um, war-torn countries around the world. Um, over the years, I've got to know Bob um, also as a close friend. Um, he's a guy I've been able to call up at, at some really low times and also to celebrate with. And that's the, that's the unique thing about him. Guys, not many people, not many New York Times bestselling authors will put their cell phone number in the back of their book. And that's what he does. He's put it in there and uh, you can call him. He's made himself available. We talk about a lot of these things, these core values and passions in our lives that make us who we are, that make us want to make a difference in this world. Every time I get off the phone with him, I leave inspired to make a difference. And that's what this podcast is about, how we can inspire people through conversations with, with people that are out there doing it to make a difference in this world, a world where everyone belongs. Uh, there's nobody else I'd really want to have as a part of of my guest to launch this podcast out into the world. It's a dream that I've had for a couple of years now, and he's been one of my biggest cheerleaders. This conversation is is pretty incredible. It's so much fun. We talk about a stack of things. You're going to love it, and I can't wait uh, to share Bob with you today. All right. Well, hey, Bob, it is so good to be able to chat with you. This is my brand new podcast that I'm launching and you're going to be one of my first guests and I'm so very excited. 
Congratulations. Um, Boy, a lot of people are going to get touched. And I know you've been such a big influence in my life. I'm just so glad that more people get a little dose of Tim. Oh, man, Bob, thank you. Uh, today, we're going to have a party because I did a little, I jumped on the New York Times bestseller because you have just launched your third book. Well, it's really your fourth book, right? But yes, you just launched it. I did lose one along the way there, yeah. <laughs> but you've launched your third book, and I found out that it is, it's going to be what, number Number, number three. three on the New York Times bestsellers list. So I, I got myself some party poppers <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, baby, come on. I got, the, I got the only copy that's in Australia. Shh, don't yes. tell anyone. I actually could only – it's actually a photocopy of another one of your books. But uh, it's it. Yeah. I've, I've read it, most of it at least, on oh, Audible uh, as soon as it got out. But I think we need to pop this bad boy oh, and celebrate that. Yeah, come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you'll be cleaning that up for a while. Oh, that and the rest <laughs> of the duct tape that's that's holding everything up in this set here. But it's uh, it's I'm just so um thankful that you would would come on. I know you've probably been jumping on podcast after podcast, and you've got lots lots of engagements um with your actually, book. I, actually, I don't because I uh, I'm not you know peddling books. I just talking to a couple friends mm -hmm. and that's just good enough. And so, yeah, I don't do actually that very, very many because I would rather just talk to a couple friends than talk to everybody. Oh man. Uh, so I'm just so glad to be talking to you. Well, I know getting on top of the New York times bestsellers books is not necessarily your greatest ambitions. Um, however, getting this message out to people uh, to dream big, to 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 live their life with with unhindered by any of the the fear or anything that they've that's held them back, is what's important to you. And uh, I don't think there's anybody at this moment in time that we have where there's people that are experiencing a lot of setbacks. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. And your voice, it's been a trusted voice in my life. Um, I've called you up several times when I've been at those defining moments of life. I've shed a few tears with you and to hear your voice on the other end, uh, pushing me forward, encouraging me, those little bits of advice along the way have helped. And I'm just glad that I get the opportunity to share you in this platform with, with, with my audience. And, um, and we're going to hopefully talk a, a bit about, um, some of the areas, especially uh, for me that are pa I'm passionate about, is areas of justice, areas of of, of fighting for the oppressed. And um, I, <laughs> when I think about your journey, as as you've talked about, I love the way you've referred to yourself as a recovering lawyer, and yes. and you have used that in incredible ways to fight for the oppressed around the world. Could I mean for those of for those that maybe haven't read your book or just learning a bit about who you are, um, could you talk a bit about your story coming from from being a lawyer to to fighting uh, against witch doctors and then opening a school for witch doctors? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So uh, just briefly, I was uh, practiced law for thirty two years, and uh, I decided to go straight. <laughs> Just not me. <laughs> oh, that guy. Um, uh, really, what happened is like a little by little, we started doing some stuff overseas. I saw uh, God doesn't seem to uh, be very fond of lawyers, but he's nuts about kids. And so <laughs> what I started to do is spending more and more time in 
uh, Uganda and then India. I wrote a book and we, uh, I don't know how to make cupcakes. So I wrote a book and we gave all the money away, but they sold a couple of them. And we then started schools in Mogadishu and Iraq where you were. And, um, mm. uh, and I think there may be like eight countries. The newest ones have been in Afghanistan wow. where we're teaching uh, little girls that the Taliban say can't learn how to read and write. We're mm. teaching them how to read and write <laughs> and oh like in your face. And how then cool. we uh, are building right now. The walls are going up in the Virunga jungle in Congo. Come and on. So there's a bunch, it's so fun. So all of this just took me away from the office more and more from mm. my day job as a lawyer until I, I live in San Diego and my office was in Seattle, Washington, yeah. which is uh, 1,900 miles away each direction. Oh, okay. And that so sounds I would, normal. <laughs> so I fly up each morning uh, there, and then I would fly home oh. for supper, and I did that for a quarter of a century. <laughs> no so way. there was one day, though, uh, that I walked into the office. And there was a new gal there, and I'd spent a lot of time up in Seattle, but just hadn't swung by the office. I'd be in court, or I'd be here or there. And uh, she stopped and she said, who are you here to see? <laughs> I'm like, oh, actually, that my, that's my name behind you. Like, it's oh, mine. And, my. uh, and I realized it'd be the a larger part of a year that I hadn't even been in my own office. I didn't even know the people who work for me. So I got everybody together in the biggest conference room we had and I quit. I said, I'm out. <laughs> it was no. one of those stories. Cortez, when he uh, discovered America, he said he burned the ships. Oh my. So it was, I was Cortez and it was 1642. No and way I was like, back. <laughs> no way. So I took the key off my ring. Mm -hmm. I gave it to a guy who'd been working for me for a decade. I said, it's all yours. You don't owe me anything. <laughs> oh, man. Now that's a stupid economic decision, but right. it's an awesome new creation decision. Mm -hmm. And my premise is this, we have got to burn down what's old yeah. to make way for what's new and so if you're listening or watching yeah. this just want you to say what it, don't spend all this time reading the old clippings about who you used to be because mm -hmm. god says you are a new creation yeah i've spent 62 long years being old bob but this morning five or six hour ago i woke up new bob <laughs> oh man who's he gonna be what's he gonna do and god loves justice he just does here's the yeah. tricky thing though uh, it's, uh, it's easy to raise a fist to the injustices we see around us. Uh, but Jesus kind of turned that on its ear and he said, I want you to love your enemies. And mm -hmm. so that's a really a pickle for a guy who tries death penalty cases against witch doctors mm -hmm. that sacrifice his kids. And it makes for a pretty weird business card of mine, but but one of the things that I've been trying to do, that's what led us to mm. taking these cases to trial against witch doctors mm -hmm. who are doing wrong, yet at the same time, starting a school and teaching them how to read and write. And, uh, and I just think there's something beautiful. There's a ropes course in northern Uganda that we took these uh, witch doctors to. Mm. And I bet it must be 50 or 100 feet up there. And they were all strapped in with their climber you know, harnesses, their carabiners. And I got them all up to the top. And when they got to the top, I unclipped them. I gave them a little push. <laughs> oh, and they said, stop my. pushing me. I said, stop scaring people because <laughs> this is how everybody feels around you. So I think yeah, we can speak wow. uh, truth to power. The, yes. the difference is this. I know what their names are. 
Nobody else knows what their names are. They just know they're witch doctors. But mm. I've actually taken the time to learn the names uh, of these guys that are trying to sort out some important things. They're already the leaders in their community. Mm. Uh, we just need to give them a quarter of a twist and they need to experience what it feels like to be frightened and to say, like, this is what you do to people every day. Is there a way that we could work on that together? And it starts from caring enough to know somebody's name. I think we got a lot of people trying to do justice that don't know the names of the people they're trying to uh, either advocate for or advocate against. And I think that's one thing that we can bring. If faith is a big deal for you and you're listening, uh, do this because this is what Jesus talks about. If faith isn't a big deal for you, if you're none of the above, do the same thing. Just take a genuine interest in people Uh, for no other reason. There's nothing on the other side of the equal sign, no agenda. Cause when love has an agenda, it ain't love anymore. It's just another program and we don't need more programs. You've seen how screwed up our programs are in in the United States. Like we do not need more screwed up programs. What we need is more people that will put down, uh, all the earlier versions of them all identify their biases, get real with those things, and to say, I'm going to actually turn. I'm going to leave that in the past. Right. I'm going to start doing the right thing. Well, Bob, one of the things I think most profound things I've heard um, about what justice is, um, is it's taking somebody else's problem and making it your problem. And I love the simplicity of that because, like you said, so often uh, – w- you know, there's obviously moments in time where where things get to a point and, and yes, anger and rage and, and frustration comes out. But it but like you said, there's always an opportunity um, for us to 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 not just see one side of the coin, but to realize even the smallest little things making just someone else's problem, my problem um, can actually, you know, in, in a way. Um, make a profound profound impact in the sense that uh, the way I see it is 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 that there's so many great people out there doing incredible things and and so often we just hear one side of the tape and once and so what, one of the my goals for for this podcast is as well is to give voice to those injustices that we see around the world to get aware and, and understand what they are but also be aware of the incredible people that are out there doing something inspired that you actually don't have to complicate this. All you have to do is make somebody else's problem your problem and do something about that. And you've been doing that. Um, and I've been uh, so inspired seeing you do that. And I'm so grateful to have you on. But um, in in saying that, it has to be a lifestyle thing. It's not something you – love is something you actually do. Standing up for someone's problem is, is something you actually have to live out. It's not something you, you can just simply – virtue signal about or or write a post it's something that it's got to be a part of your every everyday life yeah i think it'd be the difference between somebody that has a hobby farm like one duck one cow one goose Mm. uh and maybe a green tractor and a working ranch and i think that uh justice is a working ranch it isn't a hobby farm you don't just do a thing but you just say well i'm just gonna uh, identify with their and and develop an empathy for somebody, but then it can't stop there because mm. uh, just thinking swell thoughts or saying I hope that turns out okay for you. Um, and mm. I'm not saying that 
your issue needs to be my issue. But I would say find something, find something you're passionate about uh, and to say, I could get some skin in the game. Mm. Like and for each of us to say, what's your next courageous step? Mm. Like that next little step that you could make that make all the difference for somebody. And, and God never compares what he creates. He just makes each of us different with different sweet Maria. You know, her that I've Mm. been married to for the 37 years I've been loving her and the 33, she's been loving me back. Like I just, I've uh, learned that we're just so vastly different. And so too will be the way that all of us approach injustices, but approach them. We must. Mm. Uh, we cannot just stand afar and thinking about a story from the the Bible where it said that the disciples were watching from afar. Right. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that launches in. And are we going to blow it? Of course we will, because yeah. we're us. I mean, we're not going to have these these like incredible moments where there's these breakthroughs and breakthroughs. But it's not about the breakthrough. It isn't about the Instagram post. It's about yeah. you're you're actually connecting what you believe with what you do. Yeah, Bob. I remember when we first met was in Iraq. You you had come over to visit what what we were up to some some. Uh, some fun we were having over there, really um, addressing one of the, the craziest moments, um, uh, at least in, in recent history, with the invasion of ISIS into Iraq. And we were just doing our best to, to help some, some ref, refugees and, and families and kids that were uh, not, without a school. And we, we capered and did some fun stuff together. But I remember one of the things, Bob, um, that for all those in- incredible opportunities we got to partner, but one of the things I noticed um, about you that I, which actually came up on a recent podcast you're um, you're hosting you have a great podcast called Dream Big and uh, you have some great your great friends that come on a guy named Brad came on and and Brad Montague he he talked about you know being becoming better grown-ups and he talked about how grown-ups can be can be big in the eyes of kids they can be boring and they can be busy and it made me ironically think of you Bob you know you're big but one of the things I noticed is you made yourself small we would load up into these SUV trucks we'd have to remember pull open that really heavy gate just to get out and (laughs) one of the things I noticed if you weren't at the first person out there opening the gate for everyone else you were you were in the in the third row back of an SUV the tallest guy amongst us there you were scrunched up in the back and 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 you know, for you know, it comes second nature to you. But um, for me, it spoke a lot. Here I am thinking, you know, how important it is to just honor, honor you, Bob, and to make sure you're. But you, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have a bar of it. You made sure you put, you made yourself small, even though you know, in the eyes of so many people, not only are you this towering figure, but, <laughs> but you're important, Bob. But you didn't, and it really, it really spoke to me, and I really, it really showed me how even. Little things like that, the way we live out our lives, makes an incredible. The fact that you're not bi- you're not too busy to jump on this podcast that is not even live yet. It's launching. You're going to be helping me launch this thing. You're not too busy for that. You're available. How many calls do you take a day? Oh, you know what's so neat? I still get about one hundred a day from That's the back of these ridiculous. books. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, but that we well, can't decide. What country will we be born in? We don't get to pick our parents. 
uh, but we can decide how available we'll be. Mm. And that doesn't mean that everybody needs to be equally available. Again, like keep your eye on your own paper to say, what is it that God has for me? And for me, I can answer the phone and say hello and mm. be available for a moment or two. And that's just great. So you do what you can. And um, and so if you have a chance to go in the back of the truck, I probably right. had a, a dozen candy bars back there. That was probably the <laughs> subplot of what was drawing me back there. If I had chocolate all over me. But but to to take the chance to actually live into the symbol of beautiful reverse economy that mm. uh, Jesus was always I talking like about. And I, and I just mentioned Jesus, but uh, if Jesus isn't your thing, just insert sure. love here. Right. But just say like, but he always said, you want to be first, be last. You want right. to be the leader, follow. And so we go to a place like Iraq, like as the, uh, the, as the guests that are just observing the courageous people. And so to see you and the, your wife and the kids and mm. the courageous work that you're doing there, we just walked away completely inspired. Uh, but if you, you need to actually make the phone call, you actually have right. to do this. Well, I had read about what was going on in Afghanistan with the, uh, the little girls and the Taliban now has taken over, I think, 85% of the country. Mm. And, and But I didn't know anybody from Afghanistan. So I got on WhatsApp. And hmm. uh, do you have that app on your yeah, phone? Yeah, yeah. I got on WhatsApp and I met this guy. He said he's from Afghanistan. I'm like, awesome. I'm looking for somebody from Afghanistan. And, and so we're corresponding back and forth with sending messages, but I don't know what team he's playing for. And so I'm no damn dummy. Mm -hmm. So I actually go back to Washington, D.C. and ask the people who know. Uh, it's like, do you know who this guy is? And here's the message I get. They said, he's a good guy. I'm like, awesome. So I, I asked <laughs> if he'll meet, and he says yes. So I flew to Kabul, Afghanistan to meet mm. this guy. And I'm telling you, it was a little nerve-wracking getting off the plane oh. uh, because it's just a really violent country right now as they're in transition. And we got a text message from him, and he said, Bob, I can't meet you at the airport. <laughs> I'm like, no. Oh, no. He said, what you need to do is leave the airport grounds and start walking through Kabul. I'm like, are you kidding me? Actually, I don't think I said kidding. He said, after a while, he said, you're going to come to a car. The yeah. last number of the license plate to seven, get in the car. <laughs> now, we all have the decision to make. Are you going to get the next flight out? Or are you going to start walking? Sure. So I just started walking. I'm thinking, what could possibly go wrong? Hmm. Uh, and I found the car I got in. What it turns out, this guy is right at the top of Afghanistan's leadership. What he wanted to know is if I would trust him enough to do what he told me to do, then he'd trust me enough to build the school. And mm. so I think it's not that we're constantly being tested, but we're constantly being given opportunities to decide wow. I'm going to get back in the plane. I'm going to stay in the safety of where I am or I'm going to take a walk. Oh, what do you guys call it? A walkabout? A walkabout. Go walkabout. Yeah, let's go walkabout. I'm walk just going to do it. And, <laughs> and I, the beautiful thing about life is it's so completely uncertain. And mm. uh, man, if you're looking for certainty, yeah. you're going to find it uh, But uh, after you live your life. <laughs> right. But this time right now is just mostly we're off the map, and that's sure. where justice will take you. It yes. is not going to take you. Uh, to where the map leads you, it'll take you to where God leads you. It'll take you to where love leads you. And uh, and sometimes those are uncertain places, but that's where all the good stuff happens yeah. anyway. Well, it's, and it's where, it's where your 
core convictions, your deep down core convictions will will take you. You know, one of the uh, core convictions for you is availability. One of the core convictions, um, obviously, love and action for me, Bob, is it's this idea of belonging, of of making sure everyone feels welcome when they come into my house, when they come into my or my stratosphere. I want them to feel included, loved on the in. Um, probably because, you know, I don't know if you know about this about me, but I was born in Indonesia. My parents were actually missionaries in the, in the, the jungle highlands of, of Irianjaya, which is West Papua. And so for the first few years of my life, I was literally the only little white baby. They actually put little brown onesies on me to be held up. And I look back at all these photos. I don't remember so much of it myself, except for a few, few friends that I had. In fact, one little kid, Musa, his name was, I was like the village free range chicken that would just wander around, go crazy. And it was this, I feel like in this sense, I've always been not lost, but always getting lost. The amount of times I've got, I got lost as a kid. My mum tells me I jumped over our five foot high fence at three, at three and a half years old with my little plastic tricycle. I jumped over the fence. I walked a kilometer to the local shopping center before they found out where I was. I went to the butcher shop where every time I went to the butcher shop, they'd give us that it's this thing called Fritz. It's like luncheon. What do you call it there? Bologna. I think they call it. Oh yeah. Okay. And so I went to go get myself some bologna at three and a half years old. I, I literally, on this main road or the, on the back of a main road, I just walked with my little truck. I was surprised nobody pulled over to find out what, what is this little kid doing. <laughs> That's awesome. But I was always trying to get lost, searching for, you know, I wasn't trying to get lost. I was just always on this mission. But for me, I realized, um, you know, I've done four four international moves with my family now in, in a little under – five years we've it's, traveled it's like, a lot it's like you're in the part of the witness protection program I, you just keep changing countries change your name my name is sally <laughs> uh, yeah it's kind of like that but this sense of you know we're all searching for home we're all searching for a place where we we feel we belong and you know that is obviously driven me in where i'm going can you talk a bit about why it's so important to 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 kind of live in your convictions and let those be the guiding things that kind of kind of push you forward. You talk a bit about it in your book, and that was one of the parts that really stuck out to me as I was reading it. Yeah, I think we need to each decide like what we want. Mm. Um, and so, just as you're listening, to think like, what do you want? And so, you might say, I want to be happy, and Mazel Tov, like mm-hmm. me too. Uh, sure. But to just say, like, let's just drill down on that. So what would make you happy? Like, right. would a million dollars do it? Two million dollars? Sure. How about giving away four? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want a convertible Porsche? Do you want the problem with a convertible Porsche? It's going to end up in the shop and you're going to be in debt. <laughs> right. So what you'd say, what's something that will actually uh, I could make me uh, feel happiness uh, and I think what we're going to do is you blow the foam off the top. You're going to find that it involves people. At it some point, you're going to leave right. all the toys behind and so all the cash, and you're going to arrive at people that we long for love and purpose and connection mm. and a couple authentic relationships. Mm. So 
So what do you want? And then figure out like, why do you want it? So right. some people want to be popular. I'm just saying to get real about what you want. Say like, I want to be popular. And that's awesome, except you have to ask the question, how popular and to whom? Mm. <laughs> So, and the thing about, uh, uh, like uh, you want applause, join the circus. Um, but, but what if you, if you decide what I want to do is be purposeful, like mm. that, that would Trump popularity actually forgive me for saying the word Trump, like that <laughs> it would actually uh, mean more than popularity. Yeah. And so what I want to do is to say, what do I want? Why do I want it? And then importantly, to your point, say, what am I going to do about do? it? Yeah. And so for each of these, so that it isn't just brain candy, you just right. like, uh, everybody's got an opinion. I want to be an example. Uh, we need more people that are doing what you're doing. You found the refugee community mm. in Australia. You did this yeah. and you weren't doing it because you wanted a bunch of applause. No. You didn't do it because you want the cash because you don't get it. Um, you did it because you thought this would be really meaningful that at the end of the day to an audience of one that I'll look back over my life and I'll say that I invested it in others, that you didn't lose who you were in this, but you lost some of the things that didn't matter and get the convertible if that's going to blow. Yeah. Here, go for it. So that it's not uh, throwing that stuff under the bus. It's just saying what would matter more than that, uh, and that we get to create these really safe places for people to have conversations. Your podcast will be one of them, where people can just come and just know that it's a really safe place to exchange ideas and and mostly outward looking. Mm -hmm. And there will be nothing less satisfying than making everything about me or you. And so mm -hmm. to just say, I want to take an interest in the people that are around me. And that's probably why Jesus, when he met a lawyer like me, said, I got two things for you to do. Love God with your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And some of our neighbors are really hurting. Mm. They are people of color. They are people mm. that have taken a financial hit. They're people that have been ostracized by society. They're people that ha love somebody that somebody says they can't love. Uh, they're people yeah. that are just hurting. And she said, like, would you chill out? Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> like, we're not umpires calling mm -hmm. balls and strikes. Mm -hmm. We're base coaches. They say, like, how can I help you on your way? That's what they did in the Benedictine tradition. The Benedictine order would have somebody called a porter. They would go mm -hmm. to the gate every day. And their job was to say, how can I help you on your way? Mm -hmm. So I want to be a porter. I know you do, too. Yeah. I've seen you in action. Can I translate that for my Australian audience? So you called them base yes. coaches. And it's in baseball. And it would be like... It'd be like we have what these called runners in an Australian rules football game, which actually I remember I came and, and visited you after I played in San Diego uh, yes. with a bunch of yeah, – You were almost, sore. Remember, I, I think I raided your painkiller medicine yes. box because I was busted up sore. I hadn't played in a long time. <laughs> and uh, a few people got carted off in ambulance and I was lucky I wasn't one of them. But – uh, so what we have on the field is we have these runners. They have water bottles in their hand. They run out and, they, you know, when there's they're – actually, they're actually allowed on the field of play during – while the game is being played. You're seeing these guys with bright yellow vests with water in their hand, literally ha giving water to players as they're going because it's, it's kind of like hockey except you really can't sub off that much. You're constantly going. And uh, yeah. so those people – and obviously they're not just giving water. 
they're giving little tips and advice from the from the coach, you know, is, hey, tell this player, you know, oh, move forward, nice. do this, go, I didn't know start that. doing this. How cool okay. is that, right? Because we in yeah. American football, you've got all these fancy helmets, right, with with things in your ear telling you what to do. So we kind of just have to go old school, and and just yeah. send send blokes and girls out there with their uh, with their bright colored. Be the on. runner. Be the runner. I think that's it. And the yeah, and the runner isn't telling everybody like their opinion about everything. Right. They, the, the the runner is just meeting needs. The need in front right. of them, identify the need, meet the need. And if that's your, not your need, that's fine. But go meet some other need. Uh, but 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 don't spend all of your time meeting your own perceived needs. Because <laughs> if you get so busy yeah. meeting, trying to be comfortable, I know some of uh, my friends, they will have a church service or a gathering and they'll end with a big prayer and they'll say, I pray that, you know, everyone would go home safely and that they would... You know, and these are beautiful thoughts, but mm. I want people to live dangerous lives. Yeah. I want people to, including me, to be less comfortable. I want people to uh, see what's really going on around them and then have the guts and the grit to do something about it. And I'm telling you, uh, Tim, I'm not always there. Right. Sometimes I'm just worn out. I'm just emotionally just I got nothing left. Um so with all the things that everyone is confronted from mm. uh, protests uh, to viruses to mm. whatever, there's a lot of people that just feel whiplash. They're just yeah. they got nothing. And I just want you to know that that's OK. Get real with that. Yeah. Um, sit down, get some rest. But don't let that become uh, your position that, uh, love is never stationary. Yeah. And so you might catch a rest, get some rest, then get back out into the game. Cause I don't know how many quarters or how you time yeah. your games, but it goes for They're a period of games. time. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you got the, the period of time. The th crazy thing about golfs, we, all the golf men mm -hmm. seem from generation to generation all seem to like pass away at about the same year. Isn't that crazy? Oh, so dear. I literally, we only get you so know. many twists. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know this is kind of creepy, but I've got a clock that counts backwards from there. Oh, God, please. <laughs> so I'm not surprised, I'm thinking, Bob. I'm not surprised. So what it makes me mindful is you got a little bit of time, and what are you going to do with this? One yeah. of the things that I've really respected at you with you, Tim, is how you've run home to your family that you've uh, managed to navigate the, the demands of justice, but without forgetting the people that God's put, you know, under your roof. And that can be a difficult thing. Do they have a Forrest Gump, that movie down in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get it. I yeah. love that. You know, he goes so and good. runs across the totally. uh, America back and forth a couple of times. There's this iconic scene where Forrest comes running through the desert. He's been running for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. Mm. Don't ask me how I can mm. remember that. I'm a lawyer. Uh, so after three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours, he stops, and everybody thinks he's going to say something awesome. And he says, I'm going to go home now. <laughs> That's it. Totally. And there's something beautiful. I'm telling you, if you were listening run home yeah do justice there get your yeah. house in order don't keep it there don't wait to have this thing perfect because you're never going to get out the door but i would say run home there mm. and start figuring that stuff out before you start figuring out stuff across an ocean you made me think i was going to ask you about how to overcome setbacks but you're probably better off just picking a, up a copy of your book or going to one of your workshops when you, you've got them online i think as well now but but you made me think of, 
you know, this idea, it's a question I have. I'm, I'm almost 40. Um, and I've got four young children from nine years old to two years old. And I'm learning to realize, and I have an incredible, incredible wife who is the hero in our family. You've met her. Come on. You know, she holds, holds me up and has, has, is certainly the rock as, as I know you would say the same with sweet Maria, your, your yeah. wife. And, and, but as I look at them, how do you, what would you say to someone who's my age, right? Bob, I've got this question for you. What do you say to me that that's trying to balance? Like I've got dreams. I've got ambitions of what I want to be. Yeah. But I also want to lean in at night when I tuck my kids in to sl- sleep and I want to say, what what's your dream? And how can I be a part, you know, of making your dream and prioritizing your dream and prioritizing what's important to you? You know, I took a leaf out of your book. Um and when you talk about having giving your wife the resignation letter um, f- for your for your job, and and she's she, you know she she wouldn't I wouldn't say she pulled that out and used it, but I could read in my mind, hey, this ain't working for us, yeah, and I'm gonna make sure I I I make a drastic decision, and it really was a very dis- difficult decision to actually move back to Australia here, having just moved. Back to America. That's how crazy, crazy my life has been. But how do you, how do you, what would you say to someone? What would you say to me, Bob? What would you say to all those people that are listening out there that are juggling so many things, young kids, young families have these great ambitions and want to, want to make sure they're not leaving their family and their wife behind in the process? Oh, man. Well, first of all, I can just empathize with you. Uh, if you're listening where you just feel this tug, this mm. uh, the, like tension, you feel like you're sometimes like a marionette and everybody has a string except you. Uh, that, <laughs> and so one of the things I'll answer is with uh, something that just happened a couple of days ago. Uh, we, uh, we have this camp that uh, you know about. Mm. And what I'm trying to do is plant a vineyard. And uh, I don't know. I don't I don't like wine, but I decided I was going to plant a vineyard. The mm. first thing I needed to do is clear the brush. So I got in this big machine that clears the brush and we go back and forth clearing the brush. Do you know what it's under the brush? The rattlesnakes. Oh, no. <laughs> and I found a couple. And that's what's going to happen. Mm. If you want to get clarity on your family and your purpose and all mm. that, you got to clear the brush. You got to see what you got. Mm. And when you do that, you're going to actually find some things in there that might startle you. Mm. You're just going to have to say, like, what am I going to do that? You can ignore the rattlesnakes, but they're not mm. going to ignore you. Not gonna so away. do a mm. little, do that deep dive. I've gone to a place called Onsite mm-hmm. before. And I've done a deep dive and to say, let's just talk about the rattlesnakes uh, because by not talking them, they didn't mm. make them. Open. So I would say, as you're finding your way back home yeah. uh, to clear the brush, deal with the rattlesnakes that have been hidden. Uh, I was driving uh, for, after clearing this patch of brush. I drove the excavator underneath an oak tree. The arm of the excavator hit a lamb, uh, a limb and a beehive with 10,000 bees oh, landed right on the top of the excavator. <laughs> I was a busy guy there for a second. Oh, dear. And what I had is a door and I <laughs> shut the door. And so the bees are freaking out. They are losing their minds on the outside. Their one objective, sting me. Um, right. But because I shut the door to some of that stuff, I say I could leave that on the outside and have a quiet place inside. And mm. so 
uh, you can fill in here whatever the B's in your life are. Right. It can be in-laws. It can be your boss. It can be whatever all the distractions are. You got to shut the door. You got to find a quiet place to reflect and to say, who am I and what's my role in all of this? And then at some point, you got to do what I'm going to do next, which is plant the vineyards. Here's the crazy thing about mm. a vineyard I'm learning that uh, that a vineyard takes about eight to 15 years before the grapes get good. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I don't have that many wines. <laughs> <laughs> so I am clearing the brush. I'm dealing with rattlesnakes. I'm closing the door on the bees. I am planting the vines and I'm not even going to eat the grapes. That's yeah, what just the legacy. Is. Yeah. So you just say, this is not for me. I'm doing it because I'm here. I'm going to be a participant. I'm going to deal with my own ish first. And then I'm going to go get about the important work of growing people. Uh, So, and you may not realize the Mm. impact that you have. We don't need to lick a bunch of return address stamps on it and say, this came from Tim or this came from Bob or put your name on a stupid building uh, that's going to burn down anyway. But what what I want us to do is to do the work that's going to get, and it starts with us, but it does not end with us. Well, and and as you've shown, you know, you got to take your family on that journey with you. I mean, the beautiful thing I've I've realized is I don't want my dream and my passion to take me away. I've always wanted my family to be right there in the thick of it, experiencing it. And you've done some fun capers with your kids. In fact, you've given them permission to call the shots and take you where they want you to go, whether it's eat an ice cream with, with, with presidents on the other side of the world or whatever the case might be. Um, the Like you said, you're leaving a legacy. You've got Richard, Lindsay, and Adam that are going to be carrying on and uh, the incredible legacy that that you're you're leaving, and um, I think that's that's um, that's one thing I've really valued and seen in you as I've as I've heard and 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 got to know. Um, there's, a great, uh, there's a great there's a great. Uh, verse that uh, underlies a lot of this. It's kind of like eavesdropping on Jesus talking to his dad. Mm. And he said, I brought glory and honor to you here on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Mm. So if you're listening in, I would just say three words, finish your work. Like whatever your work is, I don't decide what your work is. You decide. Yeah. I would just, I would think about that. Well, they say this in carpentry, measure it twice, cut it once. <laughs> so <laughs> I would be really careful about what you decide to throw a lot of time and energy into. But once you've decided, finish your work. Don't do this. Uh, you're going to push against injustice. And you know what injustice is going to do? It's going to push right back. You're right. going to have some setbacks. Yeah. It's going to get, you're going to be horribly misunderstood. It's totally. going to be people will misunderstand your your message. They'll misunderstand your methods. They'll misunderstand your motives. They come up with something else that's an M. They'll misunderstand that too. Mm-hmm. They, but but do the work. Mm. And I think there's something beautiful about that. If we're not looking for applause from strangers, what we're doing is looking for people in need. Mm. And so I'm not going to measure my efficacy by whether somebody thinks that's swell or the like the validation I get from others, I'm going to do it because it's my work and I'm going to do it. Um, and that's, yeah. it can be kind of lonesome, but it's kind of like the difference you have, like it wasn't Andre Agassi down in your place. 
Yeah. He was really he was really good at singles. Tennis, he wasn't right? good at yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was good at singles, not doubles. Right. He's probably like seventy now. I'm dating myself. Mm. But no, I remember but, but that idea. We're playing singles, not doubles, most mm. of the time. It comes mm-hmm. to justice work. It's me and injustice. And we're just gonna hit that ball. And then yeah. and then hit it again and hit it again and hit it again. But if you think it's the work is gonna be complete, I mean well, even Jesus said you're just gonna always have the poor. But that doesn't mean you throw up your hands and say, like, well, then whatever. It's That's like right. you know, identify with that. And uh, looking back, I could I could point out a gazillion ways. I, I really screwed up trying to help somebody, and I really made a mess of things. But um, that does not mean <laughs> don't keep trying, don't keep swinging it at the bat, don't keep learning and moving forward. And um, – is there anything that sticks out in terms of if someone feels like they've just they've just really made a massive mistake? I know I've been there. I've done that, and and I've probably called you in that moment and said, "Hey, help me! How do I how do I get out of this?" Um, is there something that comes to mind if there's someone out there that's thinking, "Look, I've just you, you don't know, Bob. I am really I'm really up to my eyeballs. I really don't know the way forward." Yeah, I would say that is a time where you might be in touch with your greatest need Mm. um, and your desperate need uh, for the only kind of love that God could give. (laughs) I'm not an infomercial for Jesus. I got no skin in your game on that. But I just think, man, you might see in your desperation actually a tremendous need that you have to be like met and filled so that you'll have something. I teach at Pepperdine Law School, yeah, uh, which is like one of our good law schools here, which is kind of nuts because I'm just such a goofy guy. Uh, But uh, they've let me do it for a decade or two. Uh, I also teach at San Quentin Prison. And Mm. San Quentin is one of our more notorious prisons from Mm -hmm. decades and decades ago. And I have these amazing students that are in the class. But here's the deal. We flipped it and we said, you be the teacher, I'll be the student. And we went around in this moment. We were in a small circle with some of these guys, maybe 10 of them. And the average we were talking about the average unserved term on their things, Mm -hmm. 107 years each average. So. Oh. Yeah, that's the average, including me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, dang. So they've they've had some setbacks. And certainly mm-hmm. the people that were victims of some mm-hmm. of their wrongdoing had setbacks as well. Cool. But we were talking about we'd gone through the prison yard and there's guys like bench pressing, you know, like grand pianos. But they're just like huge muscles and all that. I was laughing. I was saying, man, if I had one of those bars on my chest, I wouldn't be able to move it. I'd be just saying, and I said, what's something you'd want to get off your chest so Mm. that you can actually move forward for what's next. And each guy went around and said what they'd want to get off their chest. And the guy sitting next to me was in here for a couple life terms. And he said, I've been in here for the last 20 years and I've been telling everybody that I got framed and I didn't do it. And he took a deep breath and he said, I did it. And I'm telling you, there's something in that moment. Mm -hmm. He was the freest guy I've ever met. And so I would say if you're suffering the setback, if you're Mm -hmm. in the middle and you say, how could I ever be used? Mm -hmm. There's all the shame and guilt Mm -hmm. surrounding this. You feel totally stuck. Just get real with it. Find one safe person. You can call me. You can call Tim. Mm -hmm. Like find somebody in your 
community that's super safe to be with, get it off your chest. And then now you've cleared the path to actually move forward with the important work. Say, okay, that's who we used to be. Now, who are we becoming? And I'm telling you, heaven is leaning over the rails. You just can't wait to see who you'll turn into. Same for me. Same for Mm. you, Tim. Your beautiful family. And I think if we could live with that kind of expectation for one another, Mm. that would be beautiful. Instead of thinking of like the news clip of who they used to be. And I'm telling you, there's some difficult people. We've got one running the place over here. (laughs) You guys have been listening to this hairdo for four years. And I'm not a political guy, but I'm just like, holy moly, it's so embarrassing. Right. we will hopefully write the ship soon. But one mm-hmm. of the things that that will happen is you'll just be misunderstood mm-hmm. because you'll be identified with somebody else right. and they'll think, well, if you're with him, then I must be against you. And I, yeah. I guess I just want to check that at the yeah, door. Yeah. Like, what if we just say people are people, people aren't projects. God yeah. makes a people, people make issues. People aren't on issues. issues yeah. People are people. Wow. And uh, I just need to remind myself whether there's something that uh, you see on television you object to the most to say God is up to something different in their life. Heaven knows what that is mm-hmm. than he's up to in my life. Take a wedding uh, this coming mm-hmm. week in Australia. You got a farmer that was in their drought praying for rain. Yeah. And you've got a wedding planner praying for sunshine. Yeah. And if it if it rains, it doesn't mean that God doesn't like the bride. No. It just means he sees the plight of the farmer. And mm. so just seeing that God is doing something different in the bride's life than he's doing in the farmer's life. Mm. And so I just want to know the people that I don't understand. I don't want to vilify, mm. but I will call wrong stuff wrong stuff. And to say like, oh, heck no. Try no not way. to cuss. Yeah. <laughs> Not, we're so not doing that. But raise your fist with resolve, not yeah. just militants, yes. but with resolve to say, Do something. oh, yeah. heck no, yeah. I'm going to get in yeah. and I'm not waiting for permission anymore. I'm, not. I'm here. That's all the permission I need. Wow. Well, Bob, as we wind things up, I'm just I just remember like it wasn't it wasn't only a couple months ago I come back from the states we just moved just before the lockdown happened a month or so before everything locked down we moved back to australia with with my family and i was going through a really really low time um and i was starting to get really really depressed i just i'd left a job actually i i really enjoyed so many aspects of it. i was traveling around the world i was over middle east and north africa i got to constantly be on planes and meeting with incredible people and helping encourage great things around the world. Of course, a lot of that's now. I wouldn't be doing that anyway. But yeah, but I remember just coming back, starting to feel really sorry for and and honestly, just getting into a really low, low funk. And I remember one morning, I just went, as I would often do, I'd either go for surf or just go for a walk down the beach if I could. And I remember just starting to walk out, peering out into the ocean, just sitting there. And for the first time, this, this, this thought dropped in my mind. I don't know where it came from. But as I just started to walk out into the ocean and look into the uncertainty of what felt like my life, I have no idea what's, what really is going next. And, and a lot of it's you know just perspective. There were some incredible things. I have a wonderful family. I'm so fortunate and blessed. I mean, I'm living the dream in many ways, but I was kind of stuck. And I just remember this thought that came to mind that says, you are right where I want you to be. You are right where I want you to be. And that freedom to acknowledge, hang on, this is where I'm at. (laughs) And I may not know 
tomorrow, but right here, right now, living in that present, getting I've got the opportunity now to get started and use what I have. And I think a lot of people, we get, me included, we get stuck thinking about we've got our big ambitions, but we don't realize that it starts here with what we've got in our hand. We can we can get this thing going, and and this yeah. is right where you're supposed to be. <laughs> I agree, and it's nice. Sometimes you can start thinking in binary terms, like mm. zeros and ones, like it's all yeah. this or it's all of that. Yeah. But we could have our eyes on the horizon as we're moving there and know where our feet are. Just be where your feet are. Just look down. If you're listening, find your feet. That's where you are. Eyes on the horizon. Know where your feet are. And then what we're talking about is all the injustice is Mm. between where your feet are and the horizon. Mm -hmm. And then just find your way. I've sailed to Hawaii a couple of times. Haven't quite made it to Australia. But what we would do, it's 2,750 miles each way. Well, there's no planes, but you could could sail to Australia. I don't think there's anyone stopping you. Take a hot minute. (laughs) Uh, But what we would do is we would fix these waypoints. We would plug Mm. them in and we would steer for the next waypoint. It's like an imaginary X floating in the water. Mm. And so we would just chunk it up. You can sail about 300 miles a day if you're clipping right yeah. along. And so we would just chunk it up 300 miles a day and plug in these waypoints. What if you do the same thing mm. with your ambitions mm. to just say, this is the next waypoint. This is about a day's work from now. I'm not going to make a list. I'm going to make a call. Mm. I'm not going to think about it. I'm mm-hmm. going to take action on it. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing that, get to the next X and I say, like where that. do you go? The I next like X. Yeah. A series of waypoints, 2,750 miles sounds like a long way, and right. it is, yeah. but 300 miles sounds doable, mm-hmm. and it is. Well, look, we could talk for hours, Bob. Um, I'm just so thankful that I get the chance just to have a catch up with you again. I'd love to so hear. Good. I know you've got some stuff. You were just out at a camp. Could you tell um, folk what what's on the horizon? What's, what what are you dreaming up next? What's what's happening in the world of of Bob Goff? Oh, boy, like so many uh, mischievous things. It's just the right kind of mischief. So this camp has taken uh, a great deal of time. Uh, We're just having horses uh, brought in. We're going to be doing equine therapy with people that have been through some very difficult things. So uh, we have seven horses arriving. Here's the crazy part. I've never been on a horse before. (laughs) I don't even know what to put the straw in. That just doesn't make sense. But yeah. You, you cease so, to surprise. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just thinking about things that would be meaningful for the family, mm. meaningful for me with the number of wines that I have left and mm-hmm. just being really strategic about it. I've got my head down, uh, writing the next book, the way to yeah. uh, get out of being concerned about how people think about your current book mm. is to get your head in the next one. And that. so I would say the same thing mm. would be applicable to our circumstances, get yeah. your head in the next thing right. and out of this of they worried about what everybody else is thinking, man, like fill that void. If you are susceptible to that, fill it, do meaningful work and start by doing work uh, on yourself. Take a deep dive and say, who am I? What do I want? Why do I want it? Decide what you're going to do about it. Yeah. Well, I had, I can't wait to get out to that, that, um, that camp of yours out in San Diego, I almost uh, was able to sneak in a, a sneaky visit before we flew back to Australia. Wish, wish somehow that could have worked out. Um, but I've got my 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 ticket booked. The minute they let us fly okay. out of Australia, I'll be Come uh, on. I'll be on the way out and uh, come and, and see my vineyard. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot wait. 
I'm so thankful. I'm going to I'm going to we're going to have a, a I'm going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions that shouldn't shouldn't take very long at all, but this is going to be special bonus content for those of you that uh subscribe become a patron of the podcast. And uh so if you want to learn some of these quick fire questions that I'm going to run by which I'm going to run by all my guests actually um to get a little uh extra info out on 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 who you are and some of the curious things you're you're up to um we're gonna do that but bob before we go to that thank you so much so so oh, much thanks for, a million for so good being with you spending th- some time with some time with me this morning and uh wow it's it's been okay and if fun. you guys have been listening now it's time to start doing totally and 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 this podcast is proof positive. Two years ago, I was like, I'm going to do this, but um, I finally got around to to quit making excuses. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I don't care if we have to jerry rig this 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 setup. I've got some great great mates around me helping me to do this, and uh, and I'm I'm just so pumped to have you on and and for you to be helping to launch my paper airplane out there. So thanks, Bob. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Justice Matters. If you had as much fun listening to my conversation with Bob Goff as I did and you want to hear the rest of our chat, then head over to justicematters.tv. There you can get a link to the Patreon page where for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to all kinds of bonus content, conversations, questions that I ask my guests that aren't available to the public. And at this point, I'd like to thank a special couple of patrons. These are the first two overseas patrons. I've got Marco Reichlich from Switzerland and Phil Hildgard from Denmark. Thanks, guys, for supporting the show. Special thanks also goes to Jose Biotto, the audiovisual engineer. I'd like to also thank Music Duo, David Gungor, and John Arndt, also known as The Brilliance, for providing the music for this podcast. And if you're enjoying yourself, why don't you consider sending me a review or rating the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google, wherever you listen in. And if you're watching online on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. You can also hit the bell, get notifications, so that whenever the next episode is uploaded, you will find out. Join me again soon for another episode, and I am your host, Tim Buxton. Thanks for listening.